Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're honored that you join us here. Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. We chose that name because we believe that the words and ways of Jesus are very beautiful. And so each week we're bringing content to help make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and dive in to this past Sunday's sermon. Today, I want to share a spiritual practice that has helped me with my relationship with God, has helped me experience breakthrough, and has changed my appetite from things that hurt me to things that really help me. Today, I want to talk about the power of fasting. Okay, so what is fasting? I believe that fasting is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. Some of us, when we hear the word fast, we're like, not so fast. And first of all, thank you for that pun. Second of all, I, I, I think yes, so fast. Fast is, is so important for us. And so today, as we're opening up our Bibles to Matthew 17, I want to help you understand this about fasting. Uh, our physical actions have the power to shape our spiritual reality. Let me say that, and I'm going to drive this home again. Our physical actions have the power to shape our spiritual reality. You know, our bodies matter. We're mind, body, spirit, soul. And I know in Christianity, there's been moves to kind of neglect the body. That's something that we're just discarding one day. But listening to our bodies, using our bodies, our bodies actually matter. God created them on purpose. And it's important that we use them for the glory of God. Can I get a good amen? And so I want to show you that our physical actions have the power to shape our spiritual reality by turning to Matthew 17, starting in verse 15. And this is where Jesus had sent the disciples to go heal, to cast out demons, but they hit a stumbling block and they failed on their mission. Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. I think it's interesting that the disciples are sent out on this mission and they fail. And then Jesus kind of rebukes them. He lays into them. He says some pretty intense words. He says, oh, you wicked and perverse generation. How long will I have to be with you and bear with you? He's saying this in front of the family. He's saying this to the disciples. I can imagine that the disciples felt pretty bad, pretty poorly about themselves. But then Jesus says a statement right after this is a little uh, confusing. And if I were a disciple, I would have been angry. This is what he says in verse 21. However... This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Jesus, thanks a lot for telling me after I fought the demon and lost. 
That would have been helpful information when I was wrestling a demon out of a little boy. And it would have been nice before you rebuked me and called me a wicked and perverse generation. You wicked person! You don't have enough faith! Oh, actually, I forgot to tell you. That demon only comes out through prayer and fasting. Thanks a lot, Lord. (laughs) And so Jesus gives us a spiritual principle here that we can have ahead of our battles that the disciples didn't. Jesus says that there's some demons that come out only through prayer and fasting. Everybody say, and fasting. There's some demons that only come out through prayer and fasting. And so many of us in our lives are wondering, Why am I not experiencing the breakthrough that I want to experience? Why am I not seeing the healing that I want to see? Why are my relationships still struggling? Why am I still addicted to the same thing over and over and over again? Why am I not seeing the answers to my prayers? Why can't I overcome the demons that I'm dealing with every single day? And I'm not saying that there's like a, perfect spiritual formula for every issue in your life to go right. But I wrote it like this. Jesus says that there are some demons that only come out through prayer and fasting. And here's my question. Could yours be one of them? Could the demon of addiction, could the demon of anxiety, could the demon of insecurity, could the demon of being greedy, lustful, angry, could that be something that is cured through prayer and fasting. The disciples had been trained by Jesus. The disciples knew the right prayers to pray. The disciples most likely had the whole Torah memorized in the Old Testament. The disciples had it going on, and yet they could not cast out this demon without prayer and fasting. What if the demon you're dealing with will only come out through prayer and fasting? We need to be people of fasting. Fasting is a spiritual discipline that I I believe will help us experience breakthrough, intimacy, and health in the Lord. You know, one of my good friends grew up in Brazil as a missionary. She traveled on boats from village to village to preach the gospel to unreached people groups. A lot of dangers of death, persecution, and disease. And so they had to be on guard. One day, my friend, when she was a teenager, she's asleep. Her dad sees her sleeping and... He says, why is she chewing gum while she's sleeping? Turns out it wasn't gum. It was a tapeworm. And so throughout the night, she's just chewing, and this little worm is just trying to escape. It's searching for food. It's hanging out there. And when you have a tapeworm in the Amazon that's dangerous, it can lead to rapid weight loss, can lead to great health issues, and they can grow if you don't take care of them. In fact, I saw this guy, it grew to six feet. Don't believe me? Here's a picture. This is a guy who had a six foot tapeworm inside of him, and the doctors pulled it out. How many of you are glad you came to the house of the Lord this morning? (laughs) Amen. Amen. So you got a six-foot worm in you? It's time to get out. Zach, you know what I'm talking about. You got to get, what was the name of your tapeworm? Jim. Jim. So, so my friend, my friend had a tapeworm 
And they're like, we got to get this out because this isn't good. So you know what they did? They had her fast for a couple of days, abstain from food, because this tapeworm was eating all of her food. So they wanted to starve this kind of, this parasite that was living inside of her body. And they didn't just have her fast. They wanted her to feast. So they starved her for a couple of days. And then they got a, a bowl of milk and sugar. And this is what you do. If you got a tapeworm, you go on a fast, you hold the bowl of milk and sugar, you can put it in front of your mouth or your anus, and the worm, because it's been starved, it will start to look around for some food, and it'll say, oh, I smell something nice, and it'll just start to, it'll just start to crawl out the throat, and just, oh, here's some nice milk. May I have another? <laughs> and then you can yank it out, and the person is delivered. Who's glad they came to the house of the Lord this morning? Can I get a better amen? When I say tape, you say word, tape. Okay. All right. But fasting helped my friend purge from the thing that was hurting her. And I believe that, yes, fasting is a physical detox. In our life, I believe that fasting is a tool for us to purge from the demons that are hurting us, that are parasites that are holding us back, and that will help us feast on greater things, better things, heavenly things, so that we can walk in total freedom. Who wants a breakthrough in our life? Who wants to walk in freedom? Who wants to be delivered from demons and addictions in their life? I believe it's possible, but we need to take up every single tool that God has given us. You know, we know that Muslims fast from food during Ramadan, that Buddhist monks fast in mountain temples, and that, scripturally speaking, crossfitters choose to intermittent fast. That's just a timeless spiritual principle that we all know. But when it comes to the Christian church, I notice that not a lot of people have a healthy rhythm of prayer and fasting. In fact, I've noticed that there's a skepticism when it comes to fasting. In fact, in America, I believe that overindulgence is taught to be a right. And if we say, especially as a Christian church, if we say, hey, don't eat, we're, we're thinking, oh, that's oppression. You're denying me my rights. Overindulgence is my right. I should be able to have whatever I want, whatever I want. I'm free to do whatever I want. And overindulgence has become our norm, and we're a little cautious against fasting. We're a little hesitant, or we're ignorant, or we just haven't taken it up. I wrote it like this. I've noticed that the American church often defends gluttony and cautions against fasting. Have you noticed that? Like, gluttony is in the Bible, but we're like, oh, pastor, don't preach on that. I'm going to cancel you. You don't want to be phobic. You don't want to do that. But I think we've missed something powerful that we see throughout the scripture, that the Bible celebrates fasting and advocates against gluttony. And we need to be honest with this. And so before I continue in this message, I, I just want to bring some disclaimers. If you have health or personal issues around eating, always consult a doctor or a therapist before beginning your journey with fasting, okay? But we do need to come to terms that throughout the scripture, fasting is a tool that helps us with deliverance, devotion, and dedication before the Lord. And so we also, we can't ignore the fact, number one, that Jesus assumed disciples regularly fasted from food. In fact, let's go to Matthew 6, starting in verse 16. Read these first four words with me. 
And when you fast, say it with again. And when you fast, Jesus doesn't say if you fast. He doesn't say if super holy people fast. He doesn't say if super wicked people fast. He doesn't even say when CrossFitters fast. He says when you fast. Okay, so Jesus assumes we're all fasting. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. So they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when, say it with me, but when you fast, he assumes we fast, comb your hair. Obviously, this wasn't written for the curly-haired folk because I don't comb my hair. Haven't since second grade, I, I like to diffuse and scrunch. And all God's people said, but when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. So Jesus assumes that his followers are fasting from food. When you fast, not if you fast. And uh, I'm not trying to step on any toes here, but when Jesus is talking about fasting, he's not talking about fasting TikTok, Netflix, or God forbid, Paramount Plus. <laughs> he's, he's not talking about that. He's talking about fasting from food. And trust me, I've explored every loophole when it comes from fasting. I've said the phrases, I'm just, I'm fasting from fasting. I'm fasting from Christianity. I'm fasting this week from murder. Like, I've, trust me, I've explored all the loopholes. But when Jesus is talking about fasting, he's assumed fasting from food. And believe it or not, most of you are already fasting from food. Outside of the 21 days of prayer and fasting we're doing right now, you're fasting from food regularly. Let me prove it to you. Many of us sleep at night. Many of us get like eight hours of sleep. And when we have a meal after that, what is that first meal of the day called? That's right. It's called break fast. Hopefully I'm putting the right emphasis in the right syllable. It's called break fast. Why? Because we're breaking the fast of sleep. We go eight hours. Who never knew that before? You learned something new in church today. Be honest, you liars. <laughs> Thank you. I see that ad. You fast for eight hours, and then you eat food, and you break that fast of time without food. That's why I call it break fast. And so Jesus, in that culture, the Jewish culture, most Jewish people were fasting two times a week, and they were fasting from food specifically. And so me and ChatGPT wrote it like this. Fasting explained. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for fasting, sum, indeed conveys the idea of to cover over the mouth or to abstain from food. Similarly, in the New Testament, the Greek word nestia is formed by adding a negation to the word to eat, estheo, and signifies a voluntary abstinence from eating. And so I'm not against fasting from social media or TikTok or whatever special thing you've chosen on this fast. But in the eyes of the Old and New Testament, fasting would have been seen as abstaining from food. And through the eyes of church history, when we're neglecting screen time, that would have been called abstinence, which is good, which is a practice that can help you go towards the presence of the Lord. But it, biblically speaking, wouldn't have been the same thing as fasting. So fasting and abstaining 
are different theologically. And so now I want to get a little bit deeper into why fasting food specifically is important and bring an explanation of what this is doing in our souls and our spirits. And so let's backtrack a little bit. In the book of Genesis, we hear the creation of how humans were created. So God speaks the world into existence. There's the earth. God picks up the earth, the dirt. He grabs some dirt, which in Hebrew would have been Adam, where we get the word Adam for Adam and Eve. And then God breathes life into the dirt and creates a hybrid creature that's both earth and spirit. And that's you and me today. We're both earth and spirit. That's why we always emphasize at Kayla's Church that your body is important. Like you are earth and spirit. You're a hybrid creature. When Jesus dies, he goes into the tomb. He's resurrected. Is there a body in the tomb? No, it's empty. Why? Because he took his body with him. Jesus in the heavenlies, the scripture says that he still has scars on his hands. Why? Because what happened to his body in this lifetime impacted his eternal reality. Are you tracking with me? So we're not going to be disembodied spirits just in eternity. We're going to have resurrected, glorified bodies, which I'm so excited about. I'm going to be able to do like so many more pull-ups in my glorified body. It's going to be great. So we're both body and spirit. And then God says, okay, I've created plant life. I've created the world. I've created animals. But I want humans to rule over the plants and the animals, take dominion over the earth. And then the story gets twisted. Adam and Eve fall into sin. They eat the forbidden fruit. God said, you can eat all this fruit except for one. And they eat it anyways. Well, here's where it turns upside down and why food is something to pay special attention to. Because Adam and Eve were designed to rule over plants and animals. But then the animal snake comes and deceives them and tempts them to give into their bodily appetite and eat the plant fruit. So now instead of ruling over the animals and the plants, their appetite for the plants and the wisdom of the serpent is what they bow down to. So instead of ruling over plants and animals, the animals and plants are ruling over them as far as their appetites and their own wisdom that seem right in their own eyes. Are you tracking with me? And so this fasting, of fa this fasting of food is especially important because it's reversing the curse that we see in the garden. And so they gave into this temptation in the garden. And then Jesus, who's known as the second Adam, who can show us that living truly human in a way that glorifies God is possible, he takes on the same challenge in a much harder environment, not in the garden. Jesus, before he starts his earthly ministry, goes into the desert and he fasts for 40 days. And then the devil comes and tempts him. And remember one of the temptations Jesus is given? Hey, turn this stone into bread. Sound familiar? Same enemy attacking and tempting him with food. Turn the stone into bread. And then Jesus says, depart from me because man cannot live on bread alone, but through the words of the Lord. And he reverses the curse through fasting. And then he walks out of the desert into his public ministry, not weak, but strengthened by the Holy Spirit. And so fasting specifically from food 
and not just screen time is important with the context of the Old and New Testament and our relationship with food. Because the reality is our bodily temptations, our cravings, our appetite can often rule over us instead of us ruling over them. And that leads us to a lot of addictions and pain. And so in a way, fasting is like a hunger strike against hell. We're saying, hell no, I won't be ruled by anything but the Lord. I will worship the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so like, let's just break it down. If you're struggling with pornography, right? You just can't get over it. It's like your cravings, your appetites are leading you time and time again. Go on a fast. You'll find your lust, those desires will be suppressed. As you starve yourself, you'll find the tapeworm of your flesh coming out and you desire to feast on the Lord and heavenly things and things that fill you with life and life abundantly. Are you tracking with me? If you're struggling with greed and jealousy, I'm telling you, Go on a fast and you'll find that your appetites and your desires start to shift and turn around. If you're struggling with rage, go on a fast. And yeah, you might get hangry for a little bit, but that hangriness will lead to holiness. God bless you. Go on a fast. And we see this happen throughout the scripture. A lot of these concepts I learned from a pastor named John Mark Comer, and it just kind of blew my mind, the importance of fasting food specifically. So fasting is a hunger strike against hell. So if you're facing a demon over and over and over again, it's trying to introduce the and fasting practice of the scripture. Can I get a better amen? Amen. But fasting isn't just about reversing the curse of Adam. It's about something even more beautiful I would have to offer you. So let's go back to Matthew 6. And so Jesus says, and when you fast, and in verse 18, he says, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. Here's the great reward. Here's the great promise and hope of fasting. And your father who sees everything will reward you. Jesus rewards those who fast in private. And what is the reward, you ask? The Lord is the reward. And this is why we've included this in a series on daily devotions, because we're trying to bring you into the presence of God. We're trying to get you to taste and see that the Lord is good. We're trying to bring you into the deeper things of the Lord. And the deeper things of the Lord isn't through spiritual warfare. The deeper things of the Lord, it's not through intellectual stimulation. It's through knowing God directly being in his presence. And the Lord says, when you pray and fast, I will reward you. What greater promise in the scripture than that, that we can be rewarded with the presence of God himself. That's something to get excited about. Your father who sees everything will reward you. And so I love these quotes. A fast is not necessarily something we offer God, but it assists us in offering ourselves. Prayer isn't reaching out after the unseen. Fast, prayer is reaching out after the unseen. Fasting is letting go of all that is seen and temporal. Fasting helps express, deepen, confirm the resolution that we are ready to sacrifice anything, even ourselves, to attain what we seek for the kingdom of God. So fasting is us praying with our lives. Fasting is body talk. Fasting accesses the spirit-body connection to grow in a relationship with God. And so point number two, fasting isn't starving, it's feasting. 
It's tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Fasting isn't just giving up food. It's saying, oh, I'm changing my appetites, and I'm going to enjoy the presence of the Lord for myself. I'm telling you what, I'm addicted to fasting because I, I feel an intimacy with the Lord. My appetite changes. I find it's easier to pray. I find it's easier to read the Bible. I find it's easier to be like the Lord in the presence of the Lord. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of benefits when it comes to fasting. I could talk all day about that. I mean, it helps with inflammation. helps with your mental health. It helps with your uh, blood circulation. helps with your heart health. If you're trying to lose weight, it can help with all of that. It helps with Alzheimer's prevention. But... We don't fast to look good, okay? We don't fast to lose weight. That's not the promise here. In fact, Jesus says, if you're fasting to impress people, you're not getting the reward. So we're not fasting to look good or feel good. No, we're fasting to be in the presence of the Lord because he is the reward as we sacrifice the legitimate, okay, good pleasures of the world so we can sacrifice what we desire most to what we desire deepest. And I believe our deepest desire is for the Lord. And so uh, alone time without God, or alone time with God is so important. You know, food takes up a lot of our mental space, doesn't it? What am I going to cook? What am I going to eat? Where am I going to eat next? When you go on a vacation, what do you do? You buy a plane ticket to travel somewhere so you can eat there. And then when you're done eating, you're like, where am I going to eat next? And when you're at home, you're like, all right, uh, who's going to pick up the groceries? Or when do I do that grocery pickup? Or what am I going to eat today? Or I'm sick of eating that. How much money did I spend? Who's cleaning the dishes? Do I have to cook again? Uh, we think about food a lot. Can I get a good amen? And, uh, you know, there's something about that, though. Our, our appetite, our hunger is constantly speaking to us. Do this, do that. Think about this, think about that. And it's, honestly, it's a competition sometimes to thinking about the Lord. And I believe that our God desires alone time with us, where our desires are fully focused on him. And I found that when I'm not eating and I know I'm not eating, I don't have to use my mental bandwidth to think about food. I can just think about the Lord, uninterrupted. And so it's like my existence becomes an unceasing prayer. I'm praying with body language. Non it's like sometimes I struggle for praying for 10 minutes, but when I'm fasting for 24 hours, it's like my body language is unceasingly praying. And it's beautiful. You know, Amritha and I, we sometimes like to get alone. Amritha will say this phrase, I need to get out of Dodge. Anybody say that phrase or is it a Kansas thing? I need to get, I don't know where Dodge is. And when we're, um, and when we're going home, she never says, let's go to Dodge. It's just this abstract concept. I need to go out of Dodge, but when did we enter Dodge? I, anyways, different sermon. And uh, she'll say, I just want to like get a hotel or go to another city. I just want to be alone without kids, without ministry. And we love our kids and we love our ministry, but there's something special when it's just us alone. We're together. There's no interruptions. There's just uninterrupted focus. And we say, wow, without kids, we're actually nice people. <laughs> Any parents know what I'm talking about? Wow, we're good people. We actually like each other. This is amazing. It's like without the distractions, 
right? Without any other relationship competing with that time, we're able to enjoy each other, experience a greater intimacy. And I'm telling you what, throughout human history, our food appetite has been in competition with God ever since we first ate that forbidden fruit. But when we fast specifically from food, it's like, hey, Lord, we're getting out of Dodge. <laughs> Let's have this time together. Let's hear each other's voice. Let's talk with our bodies. Let's experience this. Let's not just have our faith be this abstract or this cerebral mental activity, but I'm going to put my body where my faith is because what we do with our body, it matters. Have you ever noticed when you're, you're camping, camp food tastes better than any food you've ever had? It's like just a can of tuna, and you're like, this is heavenly. Why is that? It's because you've, you've abstained from access to all of the options, all of the luxuries. And so now when it's just you alone with a can of tuna, it's truly a mountaintop experience. I don't care if it's instant coffee. Coffee on a mountain is the best coffee you've ever had because you don't have distractions. You don't have any other options. And I'm telling you what, the intimacy of praying to the Lord when you're fasting it's addicting. It's beautiful. It's something worth seeking because the Lord, he'll reward you with his presence. It's beautiful. You know, I've learned through therapy that my body carries a lot of trauma from things I experienced in my life. There are things that I just can't shake out of my system. You know, like deer, if you ever hit a deer with a car or you're about to, it freezes. A deer before headlights, right? It freezes. And then before it runs, his body shakes and then it runs off. Why does it shake? It's literally shaking trauma out of its body. But humans, we don't have that. And so when we go through a trauma, it just stays in our body unless we do something to release ourselves in it. For me in my life, I found fasting to be a good physical activity to sometimes be an act of saying, I want to release this trauma in my life. I want to reset these painful things in my life. And uh, I, I want to share a story that's kind of vulnerable, kind of intimate about me actually doing this in my life. You know, Amritha and I, back when we lived in Michigan, before we planted Kalos Church, we got pregnant for the very first time. And it was so exciting. It was our, our first pregnancy, excited to, you know, give our parents grandchildren, all of that celebration. But we went to the doctor, and the doctor said, uh, we don't know if this baby is alive or not. There's like flickers of a heartbeat. Amritha's going through all the pregnancy signs. We're doing the ultrasounds, and they're like, we're not sure what's happening here. You need to come in. And so we weren't really sure what to pray about, like if there was a baby, if there is a baby. And so we just go through the ultrasound. Eventually they told us we don't, we don't think there's a baby there. Then there was a, a full miscarriage, very traumatic, um, so painful. And I, I kind of carried that trauma in my body. And I, I lost some trust in the Lord. I didn't really know how to pray. I didn't really know what to do. I was a pastor at the time. It was impacting my job. And so I was like, I just, I need to get out of my head a little bit. I need, I need to do something tangible and physical. So I just started a, a fast where I was only going to drink water. I didn't know how long it was going to last or what was going to happen. And I ended up fasting for 40 days, just water. And I'm not, I'm not trying to brag about myself. It wasn't because I was spiritually strong. This fast was because I was spiritually weak. I was desperate. I was confused. I was just looking for something to hold on to. And it was during that time, man, I, I'm fasting. I'm losing energy. I mean, I remember about 20 days in, Amritha, she would see me sleeping, and I had stopped snoring during this fast. 
and she would just see me trying to recover my strength because I was low energy. I'd be sleeping, but I'd be sleeping so quietly. So she would shake my body and say, hey, are you alive? I said, yes, I'm alive. I'm trying to recover my strength for this frail body. Stop shaking me. She's like, all right, good, good, good. We were still, we'd still go on dates every week, go to restaurants, and uh, she would just eat alone, and I would just watch her. I'd be like, hey, hey, it's just weak, frail man. Can I, can I smell that frittata? <laughs> Let me just get one whiff of that frittata. <laughs> she was such a good sport in this. She'd have to drive me around and... My sense of smell increased like times 10. I could smell your breath like five to 10 feet away. As a pastor, that was not a good, not a good thing. I had a hard thing. But something beautiful began to happen. I'd, be, I'd pray, and I felt like there was no wall between me and the Lord. Honestly, I, I began to enjoy his presence and hear his voice. And I felt like my prayer, much of it was grief. Much of my prayer was complaining. Much of my prayer was pain, but I felt the presence of the Lord with me. And in that intimacy, he whispered something to me. He said, Pradeepan, I know you're struggling to build your physical family, but I want you to consider building a spiritual family. I want you to start a beautiful church in a beautiful place with Amritha. And honestly, that's where Kalo's church was born. Kalo's church was born through the intimacy of prayer and fasting. And when I was dealing with death and destruction and hopelessness, the Lord began to be closer than a brother. He began a Holy Spirit that comforted me. And he, he took that moment of death and he transformed it into a moment of life. And the idea of Kalos Church was born. And in fact, that beautiful church in a beautiful place, Kalos means beautiful in Greek. And we live in a city called Bellevue, which means beautiful view. So quite literally, birth through the intimacy of prayer and fasting, you are all sitting in a place called Kalos Church, which is a beautiful church in a beautiful place. Isn't that incredible? Amen. And I, I don't know what demons you're facing. Maybe you're dealing with a miscarriage like we were. Maybe you're dealing with infertility. Maybe you're dealing with a sickness or a financial wall. Maybe there's a, a relationship or addiction to alcohol that you just can't quite shake. I'm telling you, maybe you're praying the right prayers already. Maybe you're reading the right scriptures, but you just need to add that and fasting to your life. It's not a spiritual formula. I can't guarantee anything. But I'm just telling you, when you're walking through a valley of death, you better pick up every tool in your disposal kit. You better pick up everything God has promised us and say, Lord, I will use this to walk in the freedom that you've offered me. And so I just want to nail home what I started off this sermon with. Our physical actions have the power to shape our spiritual reality. So if you're looking for a breakthrough, direction, intimacy, want to hear the voice of the Lord, looking for healing, pick up the tool of praying and fasting in your daily devotional. So I want to encourage you, pick a time for fasting regularly. Don't wait for the demons to come for you to start fasting. I try to fast every single week so that when the demons come, I'm prepared already. Start small. You don't have to start with a 40-day fast. Start with a meal. Consult a doctor if you're worried about this. Don't go at it alone. And I want to lastly encourage you with this. Fasting is feasting, so don't just starve your flesh. Feast on God. Amen. Can you do that, Kalos? Yeah. Yes. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. 
pray that you'd help us to not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just be intellectually stimulated with a concept, but that you would help us to go deeper, to build our lives on the rock. So Lord, I pray that if you've called us to fast, that we would fast and that you would be the one who rewards us in the secret place. Lord, we don't want to fast to look good on the outside, but that we could connect with you on the inside. So have your way, Lord. Have your way. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. We'll be back here every week with fresh content. But hey, I want to give you an invitation to our Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you in person. We have multiple service times every single Sunday morning in downtown Bellevue, Washington. If you would be interested in joining us, just go to www.kalos.church. All the information you need is there. You can actually even click a link to sign up and save a seat so we can help make sure you feel comfortable coming and hanging out with us in person. So thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.